I'm Todd Miller. I'm a colleague of Dr. Min Bazader's, and there's been a lot of discussion recently about the term, how might we, including an article recently in Fast Company. And who better to speak to about how might we than Dr. Min Bazader, who has catalyzed the use of the phrase, how might we, for over 50 years. Today, we're going to have a brief discussion about the history of how might we and where it fits in the bigger picture. So the first question I have is, well, welcome. Thank you. First question I actually have for you is, when and who actually coined the phrase, how might we? The phrase, how might we, comes from beginnings from Alex Osborne, who was the father of brainstorming. In the 40s, he believed very strongly that people could learn to think better and be more productive than, than they were. Uh, he wrote a book called Applied Imagination, which I read from cover to cover. He began an institute at uh, Buffalo State College called the Creative Problem Solving Institute. He was joined by Dr. Sidney Parnes, who became the um, leader of the first Creative Problem Solving Institute in 1955, where we would bring together, they would bring together many, many people interested in the idea of problem solving. I went to meet Sid in 1971, and discovered that uh, many, many things that I had thought about, he had created already a regimen, including uh, a five-step process of handling a problem, if you were given a problem. And the key to it was not thinking of solutions, but becoming very good at defining the problem. And I'd run into many, many people who were having trouble, very smart people, but jumping from a fuzzy situation right into solutions. And uh, so t Sid, in his problem definition process, uh, had thought about ways of asking questions which would prompt ideas. And he had uh, saying like, how to, ways to, in what ways might we, how might we? And these were uh, questions which would prompt solutions. Sid chose in what ways might we, and taught that phrase for years and years and years to many, many people. I uh, enjoyed my time with him so much, he invited me back the following year, and I began to teach at the Buffalo Institute for the next 50 years. I then took what um, I'd learned, and Sid had done his research with students, academic, and I went back to my job at Procter & Gamble and I made this process work. And I discovered that people would be much more in the real world uh, energized by how might we than in what ways might we. And so I began to use that and began to spread that all through the Procter & Gamble system and later all over the world. So uh, that those were the humble beginnings, but that many people don't realize how powerful that phrase is. Any one of those phrases is when we're trying to define a problem. And you're very clearly saying, how might we versus how might I? Well, that, very good. Uh, there, are, there are two kinds of problems. There's how might I, my problem. It's very important. Whose problem is this? Mm. You, you, you've got to have ownership. Or you've got a team, and you're saying, how might we? And in that case, the team has to really be in it. Or the whole company. How might the company? How might we? Very important when you're setting up any kind of problem solving, that gets first... Uh, First priority, whose problem is this? And if this person says it's his, his or her problem, do they really mean it? Are they willing to put forward the hard work 
is going to be to uh, to solve it. So even if it is a very personal problem within the context of a larger company, would they necessarily be expected to solve the problem on their own? Well, that depends on the company, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, and good companies. Um, uh, oh, and I've met many good companies, many good ones all over the world, and they are smart in the, in getting people engaged in solving problems all over the company, forming teams to solve real problems and getting real results all over the company. And that's called engagement. So when you're using, uh, the key is using the creative process. And the creative process is, I expanded the process into real world, an eight-step process, which made it more usable in the real world, starting with discovering problems, taking action, planning. I began to get a lot of success uh, with my colleagues at Procter & Gamble, engineers and uh, research and development people, marketing, where I could help them, not knowing much about what they were doing, but knowing how to guide them through this process. And the process could be used for anything. But a critical piece was whoever had the problem had to have the ability, not the ability so much as the desire uh, mm. to solve the problem. And then from then on, we were on our way because... The next question would be, uh, do you want to do this by yourself or can we get some people to help you? Nice. And uh, usually uh, uh, usually it was the, the latter. And uh, one of the most important things uh, in, the, um, in my consulting was that if we, had a cli- if we had a customer or a person who wanted to solve a problem, we would get together with that person in the first place and do what we called a pre-consult, which was say, okay, so you say your problem is this. Let's have a look at this. Let's do some fact-finding, and let's do some uh, challenge mapping, and let's see what your problem really, really seems to be. And we would find there was a great way to take something that seemed fuzzy, become something quite more uh, clear. The next question would be, who could help you? Mm. Who could help you? And that was very important. Who are the people that you know who might be able to help you? And uh, as diverse a group as we possibly can, and sometimes we'd prompt them, did you think of this? Did you think of that? So there was a lot of diversity in the team, not only um, in how, what they knew, where they were from, and their background, but also in how they thought. We created a, uh, one of my innovations was creating a style indicator where people could take this uh, profile, it's called a profile, and they could discover which of the process they kind of preferred. Would it be generating new problems? Would it be defining problems? Would it be getting good solutions or would it be actually implementing? And when you put those styles together, that completed the diversification of the of the team. So uh, we would p- be very careful to pick. And uh, then we would then be able to go and use the process starting from scratch to solve that problem. You touched on it earlier. You said uh, that it could be used for many types of problems, yeah. uh, for creative solutions. Can you give us some examples of, of how the how might we can be used? Uh, it could be a, uh, any problem uh, at all is okay. Now, uh, we had lots of research and development problems, uh, like how about we help farmers uh, do more, uh, quicker and faster jobs? It could be personal problems. It could be uh, research and development. It could be marketing. An example would be um, uh, in my work at Procter & Gamble, one time I got a call from a uh, brand group. I don't know what brand it was. It was maybe Mr. Clean. And they said, we've got a problem because we have got some outstanding advertising copy, things we want to say on television. They're really good, but they're kind of provocative and we got to get them 
around legal. We got to mm. get them through legal, and that's the problem. So I got we got together. They said, "Okay, um, who should be uh, who should be on the team?" And they said, "Well, Vicky, Tom, Harry, etc., etc." Et I said, "Okay," uh, and something made me say, "I was a young guy. Well, uh, what about what about legal?" They said, "We don't want him in here. We're trying to get around legal." <laughs> Then I blurted out, well, who knows more about getting around legal than legal? Invite them in. They'll help you. We had that problem solved in less than a day. It would have taken about 11 months of debate and wrangling to do, but that would be another example. When people have something that's bugging them and they don't know what to do next, no problem. Bring it in. We got a problem that's bulletproof. If you bring it in, we can get a team of people who's going to help you solve that problem. We can get pretty myopic sometimes when we're in front of our own problem and and not being able to ask for help or get other viewpoints. Absolutely. Which is yeah, something great, this process is built for. The great leaders, there aren't that many really great leaders, innovative leaders, are able to say, I don't know what to do next. They're willing to uh, say to their team, I'm not, what to, I'm not sure what to do next. Because usually they wait for that guy to know everything. I don't know what to do. Well, no problem. We've got this process that we learned, and now we start going in. We end up with getting innovative results out of something where I don't know what to do next. It's a foolproof process that says we can handle it. If you can, uh, Edwin Land said that when he invented the Polaroid camera, there wasn't uh, the idea. It was the problem. The problem popped up when his little daughter said, uh, "Why do I have to wait a week for my picture?" He said, "As soon as." He heard that, the problem popped up in his mind. How might I make an instantaneous camera? He said he never thought of that, but he was able to state the problem that said the solution was secondary. So uh, people who are real leaders are able to spot problems that other people can't see, and that's the start of the creative process. And then when you define it, see Einstein once said 95, what do you say, 95% uh, I spent 55 minutes defining the problem and five minutes solving it. He understood that uh, defining that problem in a positive way in terms of how might we uh, was, the, was the real trick. The world's changing and we're really embracing technology to integrate into these processes, especially big data, being able to take it and, and, and extrapolate it and, and uh, problem solve. Can this be incorporated into the it, creative problem it's solving? Perfect, it's perfect for that. We have so much complexity is so huge. It's all over the place. And people are being swarmed with data and not knowing how to turn it into innovative results and ideas. So the trick is this. If you can engage the right people, engage the right people, and it might be 30 people uh, from across the company, let's say. They've done uh, studies and uh, they have PowerPoint presentations all over the world, everywhere. We get them into a room and we say, okay, um, uh, 30 of you, um, let's partner up into trios. Uh, what are some things we know or don't know about this problem? And we start generating. So not only do we have data that's you can read, but inexperienced. A lot of the data is back in their heads. They've been there. And then you get a bunch of stuff up there, and then you say, okay, now let's pick the most important ones. And we do. And then we start turning those into challenges, starting with how we, and, and we diverge every time. And we converge together. That's the secret. In using the process, we diverge and then we converge in every step of the process. So this is engaging. Everybody has heard. Why did you pick this one? Okay, I understand. Why did you pick that one? I understand. And now we start coming together and we pick the most important ones. Once we've got the most important how might we's, 
now it's uh, we just go off like crazy in terms of uh, the solutions start coming out. So the more complex and the more difficult data becomes, the more you can get your people together to start winnowing down to what's really, really important and be able to handle it. And, and from what I understand of the process, it's very non-judgmental. Uh, yeah, well, the biggest thing, the, if I could say uh, Sid Parnes in one word, is deferral of judgment. He was the ultimate deferrer of judgment, which meant he was open to anything. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes to a fault, we're let, letting everything go. But the whole process depends on keeping an open mind. So you defer judgment. You defer judgment on what the problem is. You defer judgment on what the facts are. You defer judgment on what the challenges are all the time. But you have a team of people who is skilled in diverging together and then converging together, listening to each other. And that those are the three fundamental skills that are required to drive the innovation process. Last question for you. Can the how might we process or that question be misused? Can it be applied incorrectly? Yeah, it, it, it certainly can. Uh, how might we is simply a phrase that's used as part of the process. It's gained such popularity that some people have heard that it's, it's some kind of a magic uh, process. And um, they'll say, uh, how might we solve world hunger? And they expect that somehow that's supposed to do something. Well, first of all, whose problem, uh, whose problem is this? Um, oh, so, another thing that's really good about how might we is when you're speaking to each other and we want to eliminate negativity, diverge together, converge together, uh, somebody might come up with an idea and somebody might say, yes, but, mm. which automatically kills things. Now, we try to teach people not to do that, but here's what a good other person can say. How might we turn that into a positive? For somebody said, that idea would cost too much. What would come to, how might we find a cheaper way? Hmm. How might we find a better way? How might we sell the idea anyway? So you can take a negative and turn it, uh, that's a good use. But however, when you're expecting the how might we, you don't know the process. See, if you don't know the process, it doesn't matter. But uh, you can misuse how might we by not understanding it's just a part of a process. Hmm. And so you can't just say, how might we this, how might we that, and expect something to happen. And that, of course, uh, uh, of course, nothing happens. And uh, people get frustrated. This happened a long time with brainstorming. People tried forever to show, does brainstorming work or not, work or not? Point was, it won't work unless you know how to use it. Right. Brainstorming is a difficult process, but it can be learned. And then it really works on getting ideas. So the question is, how skilled are you in using it? So somebody who just says, how might we solve some kind of problem is not... He doesn't know the process. He's not equipped to use it. Right. Where can people find out more information if they'd like to find out more about the bigger picture of, of how might we? Well, we have a, uh, a special um, website called howmightwe.com, which is designed to bring things together for anybody. I'm working um, with the uh, Creative Problem Solving Institute in Buffalo, and we're trying to jointly work on this problem of uh, difficulty with people really understanding the process. After all these years, it's still a difficult thing to learn. And so uh, uh, that's another way that they can uh, get in touch. We're at the center here, willing to talk to people anytime and uh, share ideas. So uh, love to get in touch with people. Don't hesitate. Fantastic. I'm Todd Miller, Dr. Min Bazinger. Thank you for your time. Thanks very much. My pleasure. 